Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Way of Escape. We're going to read verses 1 through 14 together, and then we'll come back and pray. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. 1 Corinthians 10, 2. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, verse 5, with most of them God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. And do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Would you pray with me? Father, we uh, come before you right now, and we're here for you. We're here to worship you. We're here for one another. We're here to love each other, to encourage each other. Lord, this is really what Sundays are about. They're about you, loving you with everything that we are, and loving one another. And that would be our witness to the world. But we do live in a world that is filled with idolatry. And this is not just an ancient problem. This is a problem in corporate America. This is a problem in 21st century Corona. As much as it was in ancient Israel and first century Corinth. And Lord, we know that you want our love. You want us to love you for who you are. And idols make promises that they can't deliver. Idols are essentially false gods that could never give us what you give us. And yet we are drawn, prone to wander like ancient Israel. Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. Here's our hearts, Lord, take and seal them. Seal them for thy courts above. As we study your word, Lord, and we look at what you wrote for our instruction through Paul, this is for our benefit. And even though the stories that are told are not happy ones, they, they're instructive, they're really preventative medicine for us if we would heed their lessons. And so I ask, Lord, that you would guide us that you would speak and that your 
church would have ears to hear what you have to say to us in our contemporary culture, which at some point will be a, a thing of the past. And we'll, we will enter into eternity, and we want to be wise about how we live these days, Lord. So help us. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. 1 Corinthians 10 continues the argument of avoiding idolatry, which Paul began in chapter 8, verse 1. Idolatry was the main downfall of ancient Israel. Idolatry has permeated mankind really from the very beginning when Satan came into the garden. He's called the God of this age. He's a false God who promises to deliver things that he cannot deliver. Yet when he draws people to himself, ultimately behind that is poison. In Romans 125, Paul argues that we will worship and serve either God or the created thing, namely idols. And the question I think that we need to ask as we read our Bibles is simply this, what draws humanity to idols? What is it about an idol that would even cause us to waste our time? Well, idols promise something that we can only truly get from God, as I mentioned in the prayer, but they, they promise it nonetheless. And if you think about what an idol is, if an idol is anything, it's a false god. And Paul will say later, it's potentially demonic, but the world promises these things. You could call them the forbidden fruit. You could call them a promise of something. And that's why people were drawn to idols. They thought, I can get something out of this that I need, some excitement, something that will fulfill a desire in me. But essentially, as I mentioned in the prayer, idols are just false gods. They're not true. They're a lie. They beckon men and women to come to them, but those who make them, Psalm 115, will become like them, lifeless and empty. And I'm sure if I were to ask you just to imagine some faces right now, some people that you know that are wandering this wilderness of this world and have embraced a life of idolatry, ultimately it cannot produce. And so in this text, Paul is going to give us examples of Israel's fall in the desert. Their major problem was indeed idols, the idols of the nations all around them. The idols that they had left behind in Egypt that they had become so used to. Those idols became a means of temptation to draw them away from God. And what first century Corinth and ancient Israel and 21st century Corona all have in common is that they still beckon us to come. They still promise us something that they can't deliver, yet we are somehow intrigued by idols. We, we can feel drawn to them. And so Paul opens the section in verse 1, chapter 10. He says, for, that's a connecting word, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now the word for connects us to the end of chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9.27, as uh, Shane preached a few weeks ago, Paul wrote these words. He says, 1 Corinthians 9.27, but I discipline my body and make it my body my slave, so that after I've preached to others... Now, Paul, applying the same lesson, the same warning in chapter 10, he says, look, this could happen to me. That's why I discipline my body. That's why I make my body my slave, so that after I've preached to others, and you can imagine how many different people Paul preached to and brought to the Lord, I myself would not be what? Disqualified. Now, remember the example at the end of chapter 9 is the Olympics. It's the Isthmian Games. It's races. It's athletic imagery. 
And to become disqualified in an athletic race is not hard to envision, right? You're in the starting blocks, you make a false start. You don't keep the rules. You, you somehow trip up another runner or you, you, you are found to be, you know, the, in the modern times, we, they found people to be juicing. They're using banned substances and, and the like. Some of you have heard stories about uh, teams that have won championships and have had those championships revoked from them because it came out later that they cheated. There's scandals in the NCAA all the time where they're finding that there's payoffs to high school players. They're trying to woo them to their school because this guy's an incredible athlete, and so they get him to come, or we find out there was a whole scandal in baseball about all these players that were on these lists that are using steroids. And then we start to wonder, were their home runs legit? Were they... You know, were they juicing and that's why they were so good? And it brings all these question marks. Were they disqualified because of what was found out about them later? Now, I don't have to tell you that it doesn't take long for us to begin to think of recent examples of pastors and other leaders and examples in the last 2,000 years of church history where we hear about someone who is preaching to multitudes of people and then became disqualified. Disqualified in what sense, you may ask, in this sense. Maybe disqualified in the eyes of people that were watching. Remember that unbelievers are watching us run the race. Amen? And so if, they, if an unbeliever hears after you've preached to them, let's say that you've been witnessing to them at work, say you've been a witness to somebody in your family, and all of a sudden you fall in the race, it comes out that you were cheating. Well, that person who's been watching you for some time, let's just imagine for a moment that they've been seeing your witness and you've been telling them about the gospel, but then something comes out about you that you're a cheater, that you were juicing, that you manipulated the rules. All of a sudden, in their eyes, you become disqualified. And this is really what the unbelieving world is saying about the church, that I can't listen to that person because here's what I found out about them. Now, we all know this. We all know we're saved by grace, right? We all know that ultimately we're going to have feet of clay in one way or another. But if we are downright cheaters, hypocrites, phonies, then the world has every reason to disqualify us in their eyes. And in one sense, we could also say that God will potentially disqualify us. You've heard Jesus said, how can you make the salt salty again? And so there's this sense in which Paul, applying this to himself, says, look, if I were to leave the stadium without winning the prize, if I'm called to run in such a way that I might win and then all of a sudden I lose or I get disqualified and I hang my head in shame and walk out of the stadium without that wreath of flowers, without the medal, without the trophy, then I've become disqualified. And really, if you think about the idea of disqualification, the Greek word is adokimos, atakimos, and it's to be unapproved, rejected, not standing the test. Here's a good way to think about it. Falling out of the race. We don't want to fall out of the race. Israel failed to make it to the promised land because idols ultimately were being hung in front of them and they bit the forbidden fruit and they fell in the desert. And we have a race to run. Paul, you could imagine Paul here as a spiritual coach who's encouraging them after they 
broke out of the starting blocks, think of the Corinthian church, to run well and finish well. That's what a coach wants. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. The Ministry of Walking Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. You know, I wrote Suit Up because I sense the need in the body of Christ and really in my own life to be suited up with the armor of God. Armors for one thing, protection. From what? Well, from temptation, from the enemy, from falling, from being wounded, from hurting others. So we suit up, that's the image, we put on the armor of God so that we can be protected and effective in our Christian walk and help others in the battle and the journey. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Paul, you could imagine Paul here as a spiritual coach who's encouraging them after they broke out of the starting blocks, think of the Corinthian church, to run well and finish well. That's what a coach wants. Now, those of you who have played sports, you know that a coach will challenge you, right? A coach will get into your face. A coach will, you know, sometimes you'll end up hating your coach sometimes. But why? Because your coach is trying to set it up so that you're going to win the race and they'll do everything they can to prepare you for that moment, even if you have to hate them. Because they want you to experience victory. Some of you have been watching the Final Four in basketball. You know what a grind it is, right? To make it to that final game. And have you noticed, if you're a basketball fan, here's something that I've noticed, that the teams that are in the finals are tenacious defensive teams. They play, you know, just incredible defense, smothering defense. And it takes a lot of effort to play defense, right? Any of you who have ever played any basketball, you got to work really hard to be a good defender. Well, this is what Paul is saying. He's using athletic imagery to make his point. The father of a small boy would occasionally seek into a neighbor's orchard and pluck some of the choicest fruit. He always made sure, however, that the coast was clear. One day, with his son tagging along, after carefully looking in every direction and seeing no one, he crept through the fence And he was just ready to help himself when the youngster started by crying, startled him by crying out and said, Dad, Dad, you didn't, you looked around, but you didn't look up. You forgot to see if God is watching. (laughs) Whoops, right? We're all tempted to kind of sneak the fruit, right? Hey, nobody's watching, but God is watching. And the question that we have to ask is this. How do we overcome temptation? I mean, this is a big one, right? And he says, NIV, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, and you could add sisters, that our forefathers, and Paul's speaking largely to a Gentile church, but Gentiles are grafted into Jewish roots. They were all under the cloud, our forefathers were, and they all passed through the sea. That's reading from the NIV. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware. 
Folks, in the battle for temptation in your spiritual life, ignorance is not bliss. You want all the knowledge you can get. You want to be looking at the different angles. You want to learn from other people's examples, whether they're negative or positive. And this formula Paul introduces many times in the New Testament. And when he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, it's always in an area where people are, guess what? Ignorant. Unaware. And so Paul says, look, I want to remind you, brethren, what our forefathers went through. The children of Israel, as they went through the desert experiences, they had divine provisions. They had the presence of Christ. They had the prefigurement of baptism and the Lord's Supper. But they failed to enter into the promised land because of one reason. Idolatry. And Paul, using the ancient story, you know, you guys have heard the famous saying, the one thing that we've learned from history is that we don't learn from history. And biblical history is there for us to learn by example, to learn the lesson so we don't do the same thing. They were not satisfied, Israel, with God's wonderful provisions. They whined. They wanted to go back to Egypt, a type of the world. Same as the Corinthians and same as many Koronians. It's hard sometimes, right? The wilderness of temptation, this world that we live in, can press on us. And sometimes when we're walking with God in the desert, we, it's not easy. There's struggle and temptation, and sometimes God doesn't supply in the moments and times that we think he should. And so it's not hard to all of a sudden want to buy a ticket back to Egypt, right? The Christian life is too hard. I'm not going to make it. You see, they were all, verse 2, baptized into Moses. We'll talk about that in a second. In the cloud and in the sea. Now, every example that Paul gives is either from Exodus, the second book of the Bible, or Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible. All right? So if when I make these references, if you want to be ready to hold your place, I'm not going to get into detail. That's the temptation of the preacher to go back to every uh, story and exegete that and get into the details. We're not going to do that, but we're going we're gonna to fly on a kind of overhead here on these stories, and I'm going to remind you what they were. So they were all baptized into Moses. What does that mean? They, in the, it says in the cloud and in the sea. If you're taking notes, write down Exodus 13, 21 and 22, and Exodus 14, 21 and 22. They were all baptized into Moses. Well, when the children of Israel left uh, Egypt, they began a trek that would take them right to the edge, edge of the Red Sea. And people who have seen the route ask questions about it. In fact, Yul Brenner in the Ten Commandments movie. How many of you have seen the Ten Commandments with Yul Brenner? Oh, praise the Lord. Way to go, people. It's a classic. When, when the chariots of Egypt see the people of Israel against the Red Sea, Yul Brenner famously says in the movie, well, their God's a very poor general. He's left them no way out. They're against the sea and the Egyptian army is coming. But we know what God did. And God did it for purposes of doing a miracle so that his people could pass through the sea. But he also did it to destroy the Egyptian army. Can you imagine being one of those charioteers and you see the God of Israel open the sea with water walls on each side? And by the way, the additional miracle was that they passed on dry ground. It wasn't mushy because the chariot wheels wouldn't have made it. 
The children of Israel would have been sloshing along. Think of all the animals and all that they were carrying. But part of the miracle was they passed on dry ground. And the water walls were there. And Moses was leading the people. And how were they baptized into Moses? Simply by this. They identified with Moses as their leader. Moses took the rod or the staff of God and God parted the Red Sea and God said through Moses, you see that Egyptian army, you're never going to see them again. You know, Ron Wyatt, who since has gone to be with the Lord, uh, did some research in this area and they have taken photographs of chariot wheels that have been that have coral that have grown on them and they can't move them but they've taken underground underwater photography of chariot wheels where they believe the crossing happened the bible is true and the people were passing through and they were baptizing the moses not in the sense of water baptism you know some people say well maybe the water of the 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 uh, sea was sprinkling them and they were baptized. No, it's more separation from Egypt. Please hear me. Separation from Egypt, a type of the world, and identification with Moses, who's God's leader. In fact, they say that Moses, and you can bear this out in the New Testament, is a type of Christ, a redeemer, a deliverer, taking the people out of Egypt, a type of the world, out from under the bondage of Pharaoh, a type of Satan, and into the promises of God. And when the people walked through the, the sea and it had been opened up by God, they were baptized in this sense. They separated from the world and identified with God. They became God's covenant people, if you will. They entered into covenant. The cloud was not over them in this sense, sprinkling rain down. The cloud was leading them or behind them. It was protecting them from the Egyptian army, and it was It was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the children of Israel experienced the presence of God and the power of God and the provision of God, just like first century Corinthian Christians have and just like 21st century Coronian Christians have. You're listening to Walk in Truth. This was part one of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Way of Escape. Hey, if you're looking for some New Year reading, there's always the Bible. But Pastor Michael also has written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. Get your copy of the book today when you give a financial donation helping our mission to get on more radio stations. We need $30 a month financial partners. So please give online today at walkintruth.com. You can also find our mailing address on there too. That's walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. So as we consider this example of ancient Israel, we have a question before us. How do we know when we're bordering or we have crossed over to idolizing something or someone? And the answer is, if you are consumed with that thing, consumed with that person, more excited about that thing or that person than you are the things of God, if that's the first thing that you gravitate to, if that thing has become your trigger, your place of solace, your place of refuge, you turn to that instead of turning to God. You turn to that person, that thing, whatever that may be. I think you get the drift. Then that thing's become an idol in your life. And the way of escape is to turn away from that and turn to God. And, you know, in the in those critical moments when Israel had an opportunity to turn to God, they turned to their idols, and that was their downfall. 
And that's what we want to avoid. And by the way, I wrote a book called Suit Up Putting on the Full Armor of God to help all of us because, look, we all have to deal with temptation. And temptation, by definition, is tempting. (laughs) That's why we're drawn to it. And so this book, Suit Up, that you've been hearing about will help you to put on the armor of God so you can fight off temptation and take the way of escape. Check it out today on our website, walkintruth.com. Hey, I want to invite you to a special free event coming up. It will help you share your faith more effectively. You could even say tactically. It's 633 on January 26th at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and we have a very special guest apologist named Greg Kokel. Greg has written a book, an updated version of the book Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. You know, Greg is a great thinker, and what he helps us do is know how to ask questions and lead a conversation in the right way so that you can direct that person to be thinking about their life and their need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to have childcare on that evening, January the 26th, 6.33, a Sunday evening service for 10 and under. So come on out to Living Truth, 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Think about the armor of God, Arsenal Way, 1009 in the city of Corona. You can find out information and directions when you go to walkintruth.com or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. I'd love to see you out here at that 633 event to get you more equipped to effectively share your faith in 2020. We'll see you there. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Way of Escape. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.